Are you going to start? It's Candy, your agent in Chicago for the Agency Podcast. And Eugene in Toronto. Welcome. Welcome. And thank you to all our listeners for listening. We are really glad to have you. It means a lot. And uh, you've been, you know, it's been great to do the podcast. I got to say in the last couple of weeks, I was pretty tired, and pretty burnt out, but I kept thinking podcast, podcast. <laughs> I have my energy back. Great. Yeah. Well, that's good. Yeah, I was pretty like stressed out or burnt out or just. <laughs> but you had to clean all your high. books. My goodness. Yeah, how did every... I... talk about cleaning books and how successful? Oh that was. God! Well, I, I know you was probably the last thing you want to talk about. No, I literally I was there this morning. It was really really cold. So first of all, I'm in the dark. I don't want to bring anything over to where we're staying that hasn't been cleaned because I don't need to smoke up smoke out the whole house, right? Um, so I've been trying to clean things vigilantly before they come in here. And then I put them in the garage to get air. Apparently you can put them in sunlight too because of ozone. I, I don't know what that meant, but the guy who works in smoke cleaning said that. So I got the chem sponges, which I talked about before. There's no chemicals on them. They are vulcanized latex rubber. I don't know what that means, but I like They the call them chem vulcanized. sponges, but they have no chemicals. I, I believe all, that. Thousands yeah, I, wouldn't, but I, know, I, I believe they, it. I think the users, the, the customers called them chem sponges because they couldn't believe they could clean so well without chemicals. Uh, and they just, there's something rubbery about them and it picks up all the suit or, or most of the suit. Uh, a couple of your paintings I had to clean. Um, Sheila has been cleaned now twice. She's been in, Sheila's painting has been in two fires. <laughs> and it survived? Three. Actually three, because I forgot there was two fires. And then there right. was a fire 10 years ago. So it's, yeah, it survived. It's smoky looking though. I can't get this. It's changed the color of it. Well, that's, that. it's finished now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure if she saw it, she would announce it's finished. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it got the it smoke took a while. It survived the very bad studio fire we like, had about 10 didn't, years ago. Didn't Duchamp do that with his large glass? He didn't know what to do with it until it broke. And then didn't he say, voila, it's finished or something? Let's yes. play chess. Yes. And um, gosh, I want to go see that. Um, where is that in Philadelphia? I think. Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh? Philadelphia, Pittsburgh. One, of, one of those places, one of those Pennsylvania yeah. places. I definitely want to go and see it. Um, <clears throat> that's on the list. And um, so anyway, literally just wipe down the front, wipe off the top, wipe off the sides. Now, what's really funny is that we had probably about 10 books that survived the other fire 10 years ago. And so I'm looking at them and you can still see that they, I know the ones. And um, so I took the chem sponges, which I had not used before, and I wiped them off and some soot came off. <laughs> wow. Isn't that insane? So we've been living with soot on some books for all these years. Yeah, they're, they're two, two, you'll love this, 2666. <laughs> <one of> <laughs> you even try to burn that sucker, it won't go stop away. Stop it, stop <laughs> it. Um, I have, yeah, one of the uh... other books, there's a, a few I have here that when I unpack them, I just see them right. They, they're, they've got a, top, a, a gray on the top. So anyway, I wipe those down. And it's very cold. I'm in the dark. There's no electricity in the building, right? There's no heat. It's an empty, scary feeling like walking inside, I don't know, say a submarine or a bomb shelter or um, a, a, a ship sunk at sea, which I have wow. done before. You could, film, you could film an impromptu submarine movie in there. 
We just about could. We just about could. Um, I posted some pictures and the mess on the floor I did not do, <laughs> even though I can be messy on a floor painting. Um, yeah, so we're just wiping them down and then I put them in a box and I brought some home and, and up to our place. And I've got my office ones, all the immediate research ones that I, I feel I need all the time. You can see them behind me there. Uh, you know, things on, on uh, distributed cognition and such that I've been researching in the Stupa and Cormac McCarthy. So I've kind of got them nearby. And uh, that's it. And I cleaned them and then I got freezing cold and I came home and I unpacked them and put them away and cleaned some more. And it's just, what are you gonna do? I'm hoping to be done by April 15th. Oh my God. I know, well, I haven't even packed up other stuff. There's, there's so, I haven't even done the DVDs yet. The thing is, it's really nitpicky. So I have to do it by myself because um, poor Stag, you tried to wipe, help me wipe off a shelf. And I'm like, just let me do it because I'm actually going to wipe the whole shelf off. And, you know, he's, you know, he's trying to help. And I was like, I just think I have to do it myself because I'm, I have to be anal retentive. You know, just. Uh, I'm sure he understands. He does. He does. And he's so busy at work and that. So it's better if I just handle it. And I can't ask any friends because it's just tedious, icky work. And I don't want to put anybody else through that. And, and you'd like to keep some friends. <laughs> I'd like to keep the, the friends I have in Chicago. Thank you very much. <laughs> and a couple of people have said, hey, can I help? And I'm like, no, no, you can't. But meanwhile, I'm like, damn, I wish I could have some help. <laughs> but no, it's just too, it's just too yucky. And that's it. Um, and um, so, yeah, I've got my, I've got an internet hooked up and some cable hooked up yesterday. So that's pretty exciting to where we're staying. So I didn't have my TV show. So I've been binging for the last 24 hours. I hardly slept last night because I was so excited that the TV was hooked up. <laughs> <laughs> I was like a little kid on, at, you know, the holidays. I was like, oh my God, it's summer holidays. And um, I just kept watching all my Real Housewives and Top Chef and Survivor. It was great. So I'm reality TV'd out, <laughs> just about. You know, I prefer my bitch slaps on my Real Housewives of New Jersey. Thank you very much. Right. Well, I yeah. guess I guess we better. I think you know what I'm about. talking about. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> well, it was funny because normally, as you know, I'm not a watcher of award shows. Oh, in this fact, is classic. In fact, I really have a distaste for award shows. I see them as really pretentious, self-righteous people dressed up to, to talk about how wonderful they are to other other super rich pretentious actors anyway it sure. to me it's just like really boring and also all all i can think of is they're marketing to you eugene they're marketing to you and <laughs> i hate to have to keep that defense up so mm -hmm. anyway mm -hmm. sheila was watching it so i thought i would watch some and yeah. we watched the first chunk of it and and it was confirming my doubts about right. all the things that I dislike about award shows. Right. It was living up to them. Um, and it was also in this really weird venue where they were pretending that they were they were isolated from each other by having these floating little booths. Which oh, was yeah. Kind of, yeah. Kind of weird. But, yeah. you know, I mean, I don't think anyone was wearing masks, were they? No, no, they weren't. No, um, but they did they have don't... to get tested. Did they? I think they did. I think they probably did. I you know, and then you had the classic, you know, famous last words. Because around, I don't know, I'm going to say at least two hours into the awards, I get a text from Eugene. This is just for our listeners. And I'm like, why is Eugene texting me? And he said, oh, I 
you know, I, I didn't save it. I should have saved it and put it on the internet um, because uh, maybe you have a record of it. But you said something like, um, this is like, nothing's happening. I'm bored. I'm not going to watch it. And uh, <laughs> and then 10 minutes later, I get a text from Candy saying, um, something's happened. Something happened. Because you, I said, what happened? And you said, nothing happened. That's why I'm not going to watch it. And then I texted him. I said, uh, something happened. And um, yeah, boy, did it ever. And the other thing was, you know, I actually thought it was one of my favorite Oscar shows in years. I thought, what did you super- like about it? I loved the three hosts. I thought they were so funny and really? charming. Oh God, I was dying. I thought they just it. didn't have any chemistry together and weren't oh, funny at all. Oh God, I was giggling and giggling. I thought each of them were so funny. I loved the joke where- um, It must be that, them- that there's something about my life experience yes. and yeah. and where they're coming from. It just, just, yes. it just doesn't click, yeah. right? Well, it, I just they- couldn't, I couldn't enjoy them. Well, I would say it was a lot of female humor because it was, you know, very female centric humor, Mm -hmm. um, which I really enjoyed because I thought Amy Schumer is always, you know, pretty good at being self-deprecating. And, um, you know, they had one lines where um, they're like, oh, yeah, that's going to be on. um, This is going to happen. That's going to happen. And then Wanda Sykes said something like or Regina Hall said, oh, that'll be on Black Twitter. And Amy Schumer goes, what's Black Twitter? And they said, oh, no, 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 you don't you don't get to know about that. <laughs> and, and when they introduced themselves, you know, one was a stand-up comic, the other was an actress comic. And Amy Schumer said, I'm the white woman that um, is really, really annoying and is going to call the cops. So, you know, I thought that was, they had some really good lines, I thought. And Amy Schumer made some good jokes about, you know, a lot of actresses, they have a baby and then they get on TV and they say, oh, when did you have your baby? Two months ago. And they're like super skinny. Well, she was like, oh, look at I look pretty good a year ago. And then she turns around, she goes, well, okay, two years, um, really close to three. <laughs> and she had a very normal physique, a very normal female body. <laughs> so those are jokes that I really appreciated. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, I loved it when they came out and Wanda Sykes was dressed like King Richard pushing the shopping cart with the tennis balls. I mean, Stag and I almost lost our shit laughing so hard. I just thought she just made me laugh so hard. Um, so I guess you have to be there, you know, it has to be your style or what you think is funny. And, 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 and what is funny is personal. It's personal taste. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I you know? that. Yeah. I'm not going to lock. Yeah, you I'm not suggesting for a minute that, um, that the award shows aren't worthwhile. I'm just saying that for me, they're really yeah. boring and I don't like them. Well, and I think that you're not alone in that. And there's billions of people that feel that way. Uh, millions, maybe not billions, millions that don't watch it. And so, this was apparently a very low watched year. This was lower than I think ratings year. have been going down, down, down in a burning yes. ring of fire for some some years. Yes, because they weren't representing all the movies, all so, the people. So here's the question. Yes. If you are running a yearly program that's mm-hmm. getting boring and your ratings are getting low and you want to do something to make sure that people are watching would you stage the slap and is the slap staged mm. i say 55 percent is the odds i would give that it's staged yeah well also there was um there was something very important with the arctic on that same day it reminded me of the don't look up movie where something was happening that was disastrous in nature and no one talked about it. it, didn't get on the news, it didn't get any coverage. And I was like, oh, there's a don't look up 
kind of uh, conspiracy theory right there that we're going to cover it up with a diversion. I mean, we don't have to work very hard. And most of uh, most people who will try to avoid anything serious about life and death and escape into uh, some frivolous or interesting or not interesting drama. Um, you know, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how this plays out. I don't feel like the expert on the topic at all. I feel like their peers are going to work this out. I think the peers between Chris Rock and Will Smith will work this out and it will come to pass. It will do something. And I don't know what it is. Um, I have a lot of friends on, on um, that have made some very interesting comments all over the place. Some of them are listeners too. Um, I've been following what they had to say about it and it's been pretty interesting. So what sorts um, of comments are you hearing? Well, um, just a variety of perspectives. And a lot of my black friends on Facebook, they have a very particular perspective that is quite fascinating. And I bow to their um, opinion. Can, can you describe it? Um, well, you know, um, one friend feels that um, something has to be done. Either, um, you know, some something has to be done by the academy or by society because... Assuming um, it's not staged. Well, that still wouldn't be a very good staged thing it wouldn't help anybody to have that staged because um it might help I, the I'd, find it, I'd find it very hard to believe that two successful hey i found i found it hard to believe when uh joaquin joaquin phoenix went on talk shows pretending he was mentally ill for six months i know but i don't want to compare it to that i mean i i don't blame okay. you for comparing it to it i just don't feel comfortable doing that i don't feel good co comparing it to anything to be honest with you because i don't feel qualified it has a different meaning for different people and for my friend uh pamela for lack lack of a better thing i don't i don't want to put her out there you know um, she was saying that this sets back um the stereotypes of african-american people yes and, it does and, yeah. And I, I just feel like I'm not the authority. I want to bow to hers and I believe her mm -hmm. and I respect her. And um, it seems, it seems that that's true. I, I don't I know. Will, I will tell you, there was two fantastic articles I read. Kareem, uh, Jamar, um, I want to get their names right. One, one was a, a journalist in, in uh, Philadelphia and I'm going to just see if I can find him. Okay. Um, uh, and I will share it if anybody wants it on, on, on Facebook, on our thing. But these two articles in Eugene, I should send them to you. They are so good. You, you know what I thought when, when I got your text and I immediately yeah. went to Twitter and yeah. watched that little bit of action 10 times yeah. in a row? Because um, it took is instant getting up there. Um, yeah. I actually thought about a line in the book that we discussed last week, um, uh, Dennis oh. McCarthy's book. And oh. it was a line that I, that I, I mentioned to him uh, from his book that I, I found quite moving, uh, which was which was when uh, when Bill says something like, and I don't have an exact quote, but I'd have hated war when I was in it if I didn't love it so much. And um, I thought that it seemed to me that Jamie, uh, Jamie, uh, sorry, Jamie. Uh, Billy? It seemed to me that Mr. Smith. Oh, Will Smith. Yes, yeah, sorry. Smith, I don't know why I'm calling him Jamie. Uh, Will Smith. Um, <laughs> it seemed to me that that he he liked what he did. It seemed to me he was actually pretty happy about it until later when his PR guys made made him do a whole apology tour. I know. I, I understand that. And um, listen, everybody makes mistakes. 
Um, I think, again, this is going to come out between, I don't know if they're going to, if he's, he did issue an apology. I don't think it's good what happened. Um, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who I absolutely love. Um, I'm nervous because I'm going to talk about him and something else. So I just basketball player? Get, yes. Okay. He wrote something. Will Smith did a bad, bad thing. And he says that he set back stereotypes. Um, it's a great article. And I just want to find, um, uh, he says something that I believe too, is that women can defend themselves. And um, as for the damage to show business, this violence is an implied threat to all comedians who now have to worry that an edgy or insulting joke might be met with violence. Good thing Don Rickles, Bill Burr, or Ricky Gervais weren't there. As comedian Kathy Griffin tweeted, now we all have to worry about who wants to be the next Will Smith in comedy clubs and theaters. Um, so he's quoting that. The one bright note is that Chris Rock, clearly stunned, managed to handle the moment with grace and maturity. Mm -hmm. If only Smith's acceptance speech had shown similar grace and maturity and included, instead of a self-aggrandizing excuses, a heartfelt apology to Rock. And he also points out that... Um, well, that's to my Rock, point, is that he liked it too much. And now he's apologizing so, so sincerely, I don't believe it. Well, I called it gaslighting and it just, it doesn't matter. What matters is if Chris Rock accepts it, if um, the Academy Awards accept it, we get to watch it play out. And you know, and the I, really silly thing is yeah. that for years now, the format of the Academy Awards show has included comedians insulting audience members. It's in every show it, it takes them like only seconds to get into it and they go right to it and they insult them in ways that are in the news and the person sits there and is really humble and takes it and then they move on and everyone goes ha 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 and it's part of it's part of the show, you know, so it's a little bit surprising that all of a sudden somebody is not going to take it. Um, and the other point I had is that probably Chris Rock didn't even write that. It was probably, it was probably well, staff writers. That's a, great, that. that's a great point because somebody had said, and I don't know if it's in the article that I read, but they had said that, you know, usually these things are, are, my impression was that he didn't know what to say. And he looked over, he saw green clothing and a shaved head. And he said, he made a joke about G.I.G. because she was wearing green, right? Like a military green. So I just feel like it was a lame joke. It came out off the top of his head. I'm not sure. Um, oh, you don't think it was written? I think it was I don't written. know, but somebody said that it probably was written and um, he was just doing his jokes. I mean, most people go there and they treat it, they do have hired writers and they do do, write, you know, such things. So I don't know. Well, it seems that, uh, that, that Will Smith, whose name I've already almost forgotten, <laughs> it, it's, it seems cool. that he is a work in progress. That's what he said today. I am a work in progress. Well, you know, I don't like the word progress. Um, I don't believe there's anywhere to progress. To. So yeah, so maybe it's just piece of work. Yeah, piece. Oh, okay. Well, let me just see if I can find out. I, I just want to see if I can find this article. Yeah, too. of course. Um, I'm kind of breezing down. No, I don't think I can. It's I've got it in my um, messages. Anyway, it was very good too. And I thought it had a, a lot of wisdom in it. And I think these are the, these are the writers and thinkers who are going to, um, you know, figure this out. Maybe they're going to have a um, some kind of summit. Are they going to go on Oprah? Are they going to go on the Good Morning America and shake hands? P. Diddy said that um, they had made up that night. So we'll see. I feel like 
they went to two different parties after the thing. I, personally, I'm pretty sure they went to two very different parties. Um, yeah, the other strange I, I thing is it, that in know, any other business, in mm-hmm. any other industry, let's mm-hmm. say that let's say that I ran a factory making widgets, and we had a convention of widget makers, and we had the awards for the best widget makers yes. in the whole world, and yes. at those awards. I went up to accept an award and you were in the audience and you made some kind of comment or, or vice versa or yeah. right. And, um, and one of us ended up slapping out the other, what would happen? Somebody from security would grab the, the slapper, escort them out of, of the course. building. And that's true for and everybody. They would be out of the building in any industry. It's like the first thing that's going to happen is you aren't going back to your table. We're going to put you someplace where you're not going to hurt anyone or disturb the rest of the show and out of the building. But no, they leave him. He goes back to his seat and then and then they give him an award. So he has a chance to go up and make a speech. That was really unbelievable. Yeah, I guess crazy, man. I know it's crazy, but I guess I think what I, I see that as you're right. I can't make a wrong left turn. I will get a ticket. But I don't see that again, a fair comparison. It's a funny comparison, but it's not a fair one. I, I can't help but feel that everyone was partly in shock, partly not sure what to do. And I think if you thought it was a prank, and I did think it was a prank at first. It took me a second. It wasn't until I realized the TV was muted that it might have been real. And I still couldn't understand why is this happening? I think they were in shock. I don't think there was somebody who was assigned to do that. And, or if they did, they didn't have any. Um, oh, I'm sure boss. they have a ton of security. in there. Yes. But I also feel maybe nobody wanted to, to put, to do that. Nobody wants to, to tell Will Smith, he has to leave the building and treat him like a little schoolboy because everybody's scared of him because he's Mr. Big, powerful actor. And so he gets special treatment. He gets to go and whack someone upside the head, then go back and sit in his chair like nothing happened, and then get an award and go up and do a a swell accepted speech. Yeah. I I don't know. know I'm not impressed by by the whole whole thing. The the most thing I'm impressed with, it really is is really Chris, Chris Rock's grace under pressure oh my god i mean, oh I mean what, god. what would you do if somebody whacked you upside the head you may Champion. not and, you may and, not be able to to control yourself the way that that he did which is remarkable champion. oh yeah champion and you know he's i would be kicking guy. i would be kicking the guy in the shins that's what well, I'd be the doing. other thing i heard in this i think in the philly article and and kareem abdul Mark makes this point too, is that he picked a person who was very small now that i don't want to say chris rock's really small but he's a thin smaller guy he's four or five inches shorter, probably about 80 pounds less than Will Smith. I mean, he could have, he couldn't have picked, you know, a smaller person to go to do that to. And, um, you know, I I do feel bad for kids. I feel bad. You know, I feel bad for myself because I, I really did love Chris, uh, Will, Will Smith. I love Chris Rock and Will Smith. And to me, he made the world a better place. He made, he was very funny when he was young. He seemed so full of light and laughter mm-hmm. and he gave me a lot of entertainment. So, but of course know, he's an actor, so we may not be seeing who he really is. Right. All of the above, but I'm just saying, it's, yeah, who knows? It's, I'm talking about the feeling. It, it doesn't matter if he's really that way or not. It's the feeling. It is those performances that we hold um, sentimental and we care about. And um, the other thing was that, 
Uh, what did I want to say about this, about like the, oh, about the insult comedy. You know, I, I guess I just feel a different way. Um, it, I don't think it's that big of a deal. I, I like it. We, we do hire these people. We want them to. We were watching the very, very rich and powerful. It's called a roast. And it's a, it, it, the tradition may or may not die. Hey, I'm, not, I'm not criticizing that, that tradition. I'm yeah. just saying it exists. It, it exists. Exist. That's what they do. They yes. they let's we're going to have people who are going to come up to the stage and insult us. And we're going to take it to show right. how hum, how much humility we have. I do want to say two things. One is that it's you're watching the rich and powerful. They have millions of dollars. They let us laugh at them for one or two nights a year. And True. we get to, we get to um, cathartically laugh at them and joke about them. And this tradition is very old. It, it goes back a long, long time, hundreds and hundreds of years um, with monarchy and, and shit like that, of a false king and letting people stand in and, and, and joke. And then it has to end the next, you know, quick, quick, it has to end. Mm -hmm. The second part was, I don't think that was an insult joke. I don't think so. And it's just like Joan Rivers. Joan Rivers never said anything sexist joke or racist joke and, 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 or gay joke. She never insulted anybody on those um, human rights issues. She was mostly somebody who most of the time she might say something that she just couldn't stand bad fashion. And she just <laughs> um, would mostly be self-deprecating. You know, she used to, one of her jokes I loved was her grandkids called her um, Nana Two-Face. Nana two faces because she had surgery, right? <laughs> and her boobs would be, she'd have to roll up her boobs to go in the bra. Um, and, and, you know, in some ways, Chris Rock has a little bit of that humor too. And um, I didn't think it was that insulting. I have no idea. I didn't know. Did you know she had alopecia? I had no idea. Uh, no, I just thought that she looked really gorgeous with her hair that way. She's very gorgeous. Very gorgeous. You know, and, I thought, uh, I, you know, actually what, when they, they showed them on the show, I thought, they are just like the most gorgeous couple. Mm -hmm. The, the mm -hmm. two of them are just really beautiful people. They really are beautiful people. Visually. Visually, for sure. And um, and then I think also, I mean, I didn't know and I follow pop culture and, and gossip. And I, I even follow some of the crazy ass shit that Jada Pinkett's are doing in the world, Jada Pinkett Smith does in the world. I mean, she, you know, talked about having an affair with one of her kids' friends. I mean, you know, that's why. And you know what else? They joked about shit like that, that whether or not Will Smith had approval to have a because they have an open the marriage. Somebody made a joke that Jada gave them permission. So, I mean, this was not the first joke in the night um, about them because they put their lives out in the public like that. Nobody asked them to go and tell us they had an open marriage. <laughs> they, I wouldn't I could live my whole life not knowing that. <laughs> I did not need to know that. And um, never mind with their their kid's friend. So, you know, you put yourself out there. You're in the front row to get your award. And you know every year they make insults. Of course, you know that's the a, thing. You know what a cool thing would have been? Get up and leave the room for 10 minutes. Well, that's what Sheila suggested, yeah. is that if he really wanted to make a powerful statement, the we two of them could have, stood, they could have oh. stood up, not yep. said a word, turned yep. around and walked yep. out of the building and not come back. Not come, come back, back to receive uh, the Oscar. Nothing. Just just okay. leave. And yeah. that that sort of ends that, right? Yeah. Or come back in 10 minutes if you don't like Chris Rock. You know, one of those two, I agree. That would have been so powerful. We would have all been like, oh, those poor people, you know? 
um, they would have been like almost like a victim or something. Or maybe they would be like a soccer player victim. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I went, yeah. The other well, they are, after all, they, look what they do for a living. I know. We went to watch the Oscars and the hockey game broke out. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so, I don't know. I feel terrible about the situation. I'm very sad. Not me. I've just moved right on. I've been just enjoying the, the, I just, I really enjoy all these, all these people who really care about themselves more than anything else in the whole yes. universe and yes. watching them struggle is kind of delightful in a way yeah well what's i call it <laughs> it figures that germany has a word for that oh is there um, really what, a word for that yeah it's called getting pleasure in other people's suffering <laughs> <laughs> and i was like oh when i first learned that work i was like oh well i guess germany has yeah. a very interesting attitude you know i guess the, the funny thing is that i mean i don't have any real attachment to Chris Rock or or Will Smith or Jada, right. whatever her last name is, uh, right? To me, there's just a bunch of actors getting awards, yeah. and they're good actors and like that. Yeah. Uh, it's just, you know, it's just like shenanigans going on. It is me. shenanigans. It's like, um, it's it's like come on, grow up, hey, people. I thought they were doing going to do a bit about the numbers, right? The numbers is a game where you go, yo, mama. And you you tease the other person. Well, your mother wears combat boots. Your mother does this, or you know, right. like um, Nick Cannon had a whole like wilding comedy show. I thought, oh, maybe this is going to be something. And then it was like, oh, but I have to say, um, I think I'm looking forward to seeing how this plays out. Just to continue the um, sociology of the rich, famous, and wealthy, you know, and powerful, um, you know. Um, that couple has some of the most powerful couples in Hollywood. They got the Church of Scientology behind them. They have um, all the they have more money special. than God, and he's made nine billion dollars for film companies. Wow! He's a very very successful. So he's, he'd be what you call an earner. Uh huh. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And um, you know, again. We like to see, I like Ricky Gervais insulting all the comics, Steve Martin and Martin Short, hilarious. And, um, you know, and those two, their routine is that they insult each other. It's so great. <laughs> you know, I mean, nobody wants their feelings hurt, but this is about the performance and the theater of roasting. And uh, anyways, you know, I have something else to say about Kareem is that I started watching a fantastic show on HBO. And I hope I get everybody's names. I almost have to Google all the actors' names because I'm kind of screwed up on it. But it's basically starring um, John C. Riley, who's a, an amazing comic actor. I think mm -hmm. he started out very seriously from Chicago, but, um, and he might be somebody you enjoy. Did you ever see the Dewey Cox story? I have not. I have not. Oh, you, I, I really feel you, you should. It's a kind of a spoof about folk music. Anyways, I've seen him perform. I saw him in concert in 2013. He had a traveling band go around. He's a very accomplished musician and singer. And um, so anyway, it's called Winning Time. And it's the HBO new series just came out. And it's about the rise of the Lakers dynasty. And that would mm -hmm. be a basketball team. And, yeah, I knew um, that. I knew that. Yeah, okay. I don't know if you remember, you and I, we had a board game of Jeopardy and we were playing sometime, oh God, probably like 1991 or something. And I got onto the streak of a basketball questions on this board game of Jeopardy and I answered everything right. 
And everybody was like, what the fuck? How do you know about basketball? But I did have quite a passion for basketball when I was a teenager. And um, I think Vox is going to, would really like this show, our friend Vox, because he and I used to like basketball. And um, I was a huge Lakers fan. I love Magic Johnson. And so you've got a very young Magic Johnson. This starts in something like, well, it starts with um, a magazine cover of, of Michael Jordan and his wife, how great their marriage is. And then you cut to a man that's probably in their 30s and they're at Mount Sinai Hospital and you realize, oh my God, this is going to be Magic Johnson finding out he's HIV positive. And then it cuts. It has so many montages. This, this series is so fun. It's a comedy and a drama. And it's got so many fun pop culture references, partly because it's sort of putting forth the argument of how much pop culture is influenced by the Lakers culture and the music and the personalities. So um, John and, vice C. Riley, and vice versa, John C. Riley plays a guy who's like, he's called doctor. And it turns out he's like, a, I don't know, a pharmacist or a physicist or a chemist. And um, he wants to buy the Lakers. So he does. And um, Michael Keefe is in it, who's very good. And I just am saying that because I know their names and I meant to come and write down all the actors' names before I came on here and talked to you, but I forgot to. <laughs> Maybe it's time for me to move from my cup of tea, my Irish breakfast tea, to uh, my glass of wine I have here. <laughs> yeah, I think it's time. Yeah, it's time. Cheers. 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 Mm. Delicious. So I really recommend this. Um, the way it's told is with all kinds of montages and time like the, the pacing is just incredible. And sometimes the characters, it's not a documentary, it's a bio series. And the characters sometimes talk into the camera and it's very entertaining. Sometimes I don't like that, but it's very successful in this. Hmm. Um, where do I see, what else do I have anything else to say about it? Um, it's just so fantastic. And it's, it's on HBO. I'm sorry to say that it's on a streaming service, um, but it's absolutely delightful. And um, there's all kinds of surprise actors in it. And um, I'll try parts. to watch some of that. Yeah. I'm not a big basketball fan, but I think I might enjoy the story around it. Absolutely. It's really almost nothing to do with basketball, to be honest mm. with you. And I think they've put it out there. Some of the, the literature I read about it was to, to present it as a new well, option. From... Although I was thinking maybe I'd like to one day go to a Raptors game. Oh. Um, just to see. I like. It seems like there's a lot of stuff going on besides like, 10 guys out there throwing the basketball around. Oh, it's they so have lots fun. of like entertainment stuff and yeah. they really do it up. And it, uh, it yeah. seems like everyone has a really good time. I bet you it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. That is a good idea. Um, I've so, never done, yeah. you know, last time I went to a, a pro sports game, it was because East Texas red had tickets for the blue Jays. And we went down and we go, we got our seats and everything. We started watching the game and yep. you know, it's fun to go to a, a baseball game. I really, kind of enjoy it and i thought well mike mike got the tickets i'll get the snacks so i went up and i lined up for like 20 minutes good thing yeah. not much happens in a baseball game because yeah. like you don't miss anything you miss like three pitches in 20 minutes <laughs> and and i'm lining up there and i order us up like a few treats like i don't know like fries and hot dogs <laughs> or crap like that and beers and but it wasn't that i, I got a lot of food no but it was 25 bucks a person. <laughs> I, I was like so shocked. 
So it was fifty dollars. The guy's like, "That's fifty-two dollars, sir." I'm like, yeah. hello. <laughs> oh, like, yeah, this is people... for two hot dogs. Oh yeah, people do that sir? all the time. These guys are making way too much money, and oh, they charge man. too much money. Um, I'm glad the players make a great living. I hope it's union wages for the uh, concession booths and mm. concession stands. But um, yeah, they charge just a ridiculous amount. But how much did um, East Texas Red pay for those tickets? I mean, I have no idea. I know. So <laughs> probably a fair deal. You probably got off I'd, easy. Yeah, maybe I got yeah. off easy. That's okay. <laughs> I know football. Besides, I'd buy, I'd buy East Texas Red, an overpriced, overpriced hot dog and a beer. Anytime. Anytime. Well, I know I went to the Bears one time at Soldier Field and it was, I, I was given the ticket. But on the ticket, it was um, it was eighty dollars or something, and it was at the very back row of the of the nosebleed section. So I don't know <laughs> what they charge for somebody with a good seat. You know, a lot. Um, somebody was sick, and I went with a coworker, and I was very grateful to go. But I could not believe it was eighty dollars. I mean, how do families go and do this? I don't know. I don't. Oh know. my god! So, and what could be a life? Uh, you know, um, sticks. Parents used to have. Um, what are those when you have a seat every year when you have a season tickets. tickets yeah they used to have them at the old um the old building but they didn't want to move to the new one i guess it, the price went up a lot <laughs> wow mm-hmm. but they used to um stakes that he used to grow up and sit in the snow and they'd have pillows and blankets and hot chocolate and watch the game wow yeah well i think there's a whole culture around that and i yeah. think you could have lots of fun Yes, doing that. If, you, if you enjoy the sport yeah. as a bonus. Well, I went tailgating too because uh, you know I'd never heard I did Canada. I never heard of tailgating. Tailgating seems a very uniquely um, American, it's American thing. Thing, and I the first time I heard about it, to be honest, was a Grateful Dead. So I did see maybe the Grateful Dead started there. Maybe football started it. I don't know. I went to a Grateful Dead concert. Except that tailgating at a Grateful Dead show consists of grilled cheese. Oh yeah, it was all kinds of great things: <laughs> t-shirts, clothing. Um, you know, pot, mushrooms, whatever you want. But that's not unlike the football game either because people take motorhomes and trucks and set up barbecues. I mean, I went to two tailgating. I guess I went to two games, actually. And um, it, it was a, an amazing time. But you're drinking at 10 in the morning. But it was pretty fun. You know, someone's got to do it, say, right? Somebody's got to do it, yeah. <laughs> I got home and I was just like, you just go to bed when you get home. I was exhausted. <laughs> We uh, we watched a, a really delightful movie the other night. Uh, mm. I think it might have been in in on Netflix, maybe in their classic movies uh-huh. section. And we were just kind of looking for something to watch, and there it was. We hadn't seen it in years, mm. and it has to be really one of the most delightful films I've ever watched. It's called My Neighbor Totoro, or Totoro. Okay. Um, if you Every listen to the music, I don't. See, I don't know how you should pronounce Totoro. I always said Totoro, but the music it's Totoro, 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 Totoro. Okay. I don't usually sing yeah. on the podcast. You know? I know that's Same. a special. That's yeah. the brandy kicking in. We charge more for that. Yeah. So it's a 1988 animated film, um, written and directed by a guy named Miyazaki, and man, is it good. I, it's just so delightful. It's a story about a family that moves to a a strange house at the edge of a woods 
because it's closer to the hospital because the mom and the family is in the hospital and the dad who's a professor is looking after the kids and they Mm -hmm. move into this house and the kids can see these little critters and what they are is they're they're they're, uh sprints or forest spirits the sprites sprites that's what they are the sprites (laughs) yes so they um so i mean there's a lot of um these kind of spiritual creatures in the house and in the woods. There's a lot of, I guess we'd call animism, right? Yeah. Where where this, uh, the trees take on spiritual properties. And if, if the trees let you in, you can go to the headquarters um, in, in this tree of, of the, 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 the forest sprites and particularly the king of the forest sprites, Totoro, who's this big fat sprite um who who is just very what funny year is this movie? 1988 have you not seen this Mm-mm. i don't know how you could have gotten never even heard of it never even heard of it oh my goodness gracious what country is it from japan oh it's japanese okay. all, animation it's all making sense now it's all making sense to me okay okay no, so so it's got animism going on it's got yep. environmentalism going on and it's kind of yep. sort of about the joys of a rural lifestyle and the healing qualities of a of a rural lifestyle mm-hmm. and they make the kids cause the adults can't see these little mm-hmm. creatures. Right. Right. Only the, uh, only, <laughs> only the, the kids can. And yeah. at one time the, the kids, they get a message that, that there's a problem with her, their mom in the hospital and they can't reach their dad. They think he's gone from the university directly to the hospital or something. And so they need to get to the hospital. And so they're out there waiting for the bus, but the bus doesn't come. And Totoro shows up waiting for a bus. And wow. it's raining. And they give Totoro a little tiny umbrella that he puts on his head. And he's huge, but he has this little tiny umbrella. And he gives them um, a bag of nuts and seeds mm. um, in return. Um, but he's waiting for a cat bus, which is a cat that's shaped like a bus. <laughs> and Totoro takes them to the hospital so they could see that their mom is okay in the mm. cat bus. And the cat bus can run along power lines. Mm-hmm. It's so delightful, Candy. It's it, it is just great. it is one of one of just the most joyful bits of filmmaking Aww. I've ever seen. Aww. Totoro is my hero. He's fantastic. <laughs> Um, I will I will put the trailer for it on on our Facebook oh, site. Good. And uh, your homework is by hook or by crook. If you haven't even heard of my neighbor Totoro, you have to see this. Okay. All and right. if uh, our listeners out there, if you've seen uh, my neighbor Totoro and and you would like to comment on it, you can email us at theagency.podcast at gmail.com. That's right. Hey, you and I both saw a movie this week. Which one? Crimson Tide. Yes, we did. It was part of our, our personal Gene Hackman Film Festival over here. <laughs> had you seen it before? I did not. I had not seen Crimson yeah, Tide okay, before. Okay, okay. I, I figured so. I figured that was on your catch-up list. What'd you think? Well, I thought it was it was a good actioner. It, you know, well, first of all, it's it's a submarine movie. Yeah, and so by by definition, mid-way. all submarine movies are great. I mean, have you ever seen a really bad submarine movie? No, because like, you just enjoy it so much. That's right. If you're going to make a submarine movie, I mean, you got to have something happening in it. Okay. And then a cast that includes 
Denzel, mm-hmm. Gene Hackman, mm-hmm. Viggo Mortensen, and James Gandolfini. I know, insane. Right? What a cast. What a cast. Such a great cast. And that little dog. <laughs> yes. And you know that there's going to be a, a nuclear clash of wills between right. Denzel Washington and Gene Hackman. Oh, definitely. You know, it's funny because I watched it and I thought, oh, isn't this appropriate when you get to the ending, it's very appropriate for this week in the Oscars, actually. It's also yeah, a I weird suppose, metaphor. Yeah. It's also a weird metaphor for a new power, new authority, new generations coming up in a company or in culture. Um, because, you know, Gene Hackman's the boss and he's white and Denzel is up and coming um, sailor. And he, uh, yes, he's very much the modern world, isn't he? Very much. That's what I'm trying to say. He's modern. He's going to do it through science. And there's a lot of interesting things. So you've got, it starts out, let's say, let's just, I'm sure everybody's seen it, but I just think it's kind of, you know, it was fun for me to watch. I'd seen it in the theaters. It was so fun to see how tightly wound it was. I forgot that every minute something happens. It's like impossible. It's so crazy, the action. Um, Yeah. The idea of the old the old guard and the and the young guard reminded yes. me a little bit of uh, of the novel uh you might be familiar with the master of go by kawabata mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um written after the the second world war um when he felt all he could write was elegies for japan and it oh, was wow. a, a book about an actual go match in which the way he presents it there's the old invincible master the meijin and he represents old Japan mm-hmm. and the young upstart is the modern world, Japan after the war. And so it's an elegy for, for the Japan that Kawabata loved. It's a yeah. beautiful movie, beautiful. Yeah. Well, it is actually a movie if you could ever get okay. it, but I've, I haven't been able to find the movie. Right. Um, it's really, really hard to find, but it's the book Kawabata's the master of go beautiful book, highly recommended mm-hmm. little sidebar there. Mm-hmm. Well, when you meet these two guys, you've got Gene Hackman and then he meets Denzel Washington and they're kind of looking at each other like, how, who are you? Why are you? What are you about? Yes. And and keep in mind that Gene Hackman chose Denzel. Ah, right. He liked his um, resume or his record or something. Mm -hmm. You know, and they have a weird conversation where Gene Hackman is concerned about intelligence or smartness. Because he says something like, it comes up that they ride horses. And Gene Hackman's, well, yeah, I ride you ride horses. He goes, yeah, well, what kind of horses do you ride, Denzel? And he goes, well, I ride Arabians. I've ridden all kinds, but I love Arabians. He goes, oh, well, I have to ride old paint. You know, a a painter horse, a kind of one you just, a regular cowboy horse. So it's kind of funny that they have this divide. And then he said, but horses are dumb. They're as dumb as a high school girl. I was like, well, thank you very oh, much. Oh, I forgot about that line. Yeah. Wow. And so that's kind of interesting that he he's worried about intelligence. And then later on, you meet his dog. He's got this little dog and he goes, oh, it's Jack Russell. They're the smartest dog, dog breed out there. And I thought that was weird because why is he obsessed with this? And then later when they're talking, he makes a comment to Denzel Washington that, well, you're, I don't know about you being insightful. And, um, and Denzel kind of looks like, oh, I'm getting approval from an older male. He goes, well, I would call you complicated. You know, me, the army just wants me to be simple. 
So there you see that he never got credit for being an intelligent officer. Mm-hmm. He's only... And, and, and also he's obviously recognizing that the army is changing. And maybe yes. he chose Denzel because he wanted someone on his side who represents the army of the future. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Interesting. But they are looking at each other very suspiciously. We find out that Gene Hackman, not really a family guy. Denzel Washington, very much a family guy, a hands-on dad, very caregiving. He can say, I love you to his son. Um, He can tell his wife, I'm going to see you in my dreams. He's romantic. Um, When he says goodbye, he said, I'll see you in my dreams. Uh, So, and he also has a very wise comment right at the beginning of the movie when they talk about why someone should go to war and now he says in the nuclear world the true enemy is war itself so i thought that was kind of a cool line denzel says that i thought that was a pretty cool line considering what we're all afraid of these days with ukraine and everything you know yes yeah but we had also seen another in our gene hackman film festival from Mm -hmm. from um 20 years earlier than the Tony Scott film, Crimson mm-hmm. Tide, um, is from 1974. You might call it a mystery thriller. You might call Ooh, it an art I know movie. what it is. I know what it is. Mystery thriller or art movie. movie, which is it? It's The Conversation. Yeah. Um, written, produced, directed by Francis Ford Coppola, who I believe said it's his favorite of his films. And, it, and you know what? He's a great filmmaker. It is one tight tense it is i mean i can't in a way i can't say i liked it because it's extremely disturbing film it's very disturbing it's it's brilliant it's brilliant and it's almost i own it on dvd i love it when when they get to the sequence where they're having a party with all the other eavesdroppers and Uh where do you have your party like in storage lockers (laughs) (laughs) i mean it was such a weird set and it's the whole thing was just so um so strange and disturbing yeah. You know, that like this group of people, and this is, they all know each other, and that's all what they do. They eavesdrop. Right. right? But they, but they right. have justifications for it. Like it doesn't really matter what the content, except right. this time it does. Yeah. And this uh, time it, there's a big plot twist. Just in case you thought it was an art movie, they throw a, right. a plot twist. Well, it is it. very artsy. And it, it's about paranoia and, and also. So you've got Gene Hackman. He is hired to spy on some people, isn't he? Yes, to, to, yes, to record their conversations. And, right. and he's recording the conversations of a couple that keep walking around a square in the city, walking in circles in a crowd of people. Um, and he's, he's um, recording them. And yeah. they're nervous that, that somebody might hear them. And he's really worried that the woman in the couple... Mm is going to get killed yes but, and why is he worried about that he's so paranoid um no he starts to discover that there's i've got to answer the door oh, oh this my is goodness exciting. okay hold on i'm gonna answer the door all right candy's candy's gone there. to the door to answer the door this is maybe we have a guest no it's okay hey guest what's your name we have a guest hello all right it's our, our good friend, Neon Bomb, Claudia, the punk rocker extraordinaire. She's Excellent. Hi. hi. How are, up? You? How are you? How are you? You've got a show coming up soon, right? I do. Yeah. yeah. Tell us a little bit, please. <laughs> it's uh, April 22nd at Semitas Poblanas in Villa Park. Great. Yeah. 
Great. Um, I just bought a shirt from her that she designed. And you got, I'm going to have to share that link. She's a beautiful clothing designer. Yes. And this is, uh, we've been playing uh, door, doorbell tag. Yeah. You yeah. know what? I got you another gift. Here. Oh, my God. Yeah. This is oh, so exciting. It's a Surprise bottle of wine. Oh, my God. She knows <laughs> me. It? It's a bottle of wine. I'm so excited. The name I'm, was pretty look exciting. At, look, at the, look at the name. Oh, Beauty and Chaos is the name of the wine. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I love it. That's the name of the podcast right there. <laughs> Good to oh, see you. You too. All right. All right I'm sorry. No, yeah. it's okay. Sorry. Yeah, it looks great. Thank you. How exciting. Are you talking while I run around the house? <laughs> well, we were. And she brought me one. We were just listening. Thank you. Did you hear me running to the door? Oh yes, because because since you you don't have um, a mic going now, the, uh, the oh you can the hear mic, everything. Yes, you hear everything. It doesn't. Oh, wow. It's not selective like the, uh, right. the USB mic. Well, look at this beautiful shirt. It's a sheer mesh, like t-shirt shirt. Oh, fantastic! You'll and agree in that. And she spray painted it with um, uh, what do you call it, leopard? Yeah. I'm so excited! It's so beautiful. All right. Yeah, we got to support our local uh, designers and artists, right? Absolutely. That was so funny. I didn't even know she was going to come. She said she'd come by sometime this week, but what a great um, timing. Please continue with what you were talking about. So I was talking about the conversation, mm -hmm. Francis Ford Coppola, and it's starring Gene Hackman and the great John Cassell. And oh. man, he's fantastic. I mean, Fredo and, um, yes. and The Godfather, he's great yes. in everything he's in. Mm -hmm. died really young um oh, fantastic, fantastic he, actor he was Character a partner actor. to meryl streep back then she was married to him i think oh really yeah she yeah he's she also was, he was a dog day afternoon too oh movie. god don't yeah. even start i love that yeah. movie oh i know oh uh, also in the film uh alan garfield cindy williams from the yeah. shirley yeah uh, harrison very young harrison ford yes harry gar robert duval Mm -hmm. Another great cast. Yeah, fabulous, definitely. fabulous cast. This one, it's a strange, dark film. Uh, at at the end, there's some scenes at the end where he's just playing a saxophone that are among the saddest scenes that mm -hmm. I, I think I've seen in film. Mm -hmm. Just how terribly, tremendously lonely this man had become mm -hmm. by the end by the end of this film. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, um, that movie has a little connection to two other movies I love. And um, the first one is called Blow Up. And mm. that's um, Antonio, Antonielli. Um, and that's an amazing movie. Um, I'm forgetting all the names, but Vanessa Redgrave's in it. And um, I forgot the main actor's name, but it's all about paranoia and imagining a murder or a danger as well. Rear Window, of course. Mm -hmm. And then... Because those new wave directors loved Hitchcock, right? So, of course, he'd make Blow Up. But then there's Blow Out with John Travolta and Nancy Allen, made by one of my favorite directors, Brian De Palma. And I don't mm. want to forget that Tony Scott is one of my ultimate favorite directors. And did you know that there's a ghostwriter on Crimson Tide? No, I did it's not. It's Quentin Tarantino. Oh, yes, I did know that. I just completely <laughs> forgot about that. Yeah. And I think it doesn't say what he did, but I think he put that dog... You know, the little tiny dog with this big tough man. That's his mm -hmm. only friend. And then also, obviously, there's a lot. He came in to do the dialogue, a lot of pop culture in Crimson Tide. Yeah, you know, 
the film is powerful enough in Crimson Tide that we're able to suspend our disbelief that someone would be allowed to bring a dog onto a submarine um, where it would just like pee all over the floor. Well, well, its master is smoking a cigar. Correct. Right. I can't imagine either of those things happening on a sub. Correct. Well, you know, I just realized that there's just a little blend of weirdness that just kind of came together um, because you're talking about paranoid films and, um, and I had a paranoid experience this week. Um, about, I, I know the date, around in early February, I, on one of my book clubs, we got into a discussion. And this ties into Crimson Tide because of those, um, you know, the parallel between ideologies of how you might do things, the old military, the new military, because those are also ideologies in their own way. And I got into a big discussion. There's this guy that is on one of my book clubs and he, every now and then he just goes off on woke culture. Now, I'm not even like the most experienced. Woke means that you um, are actively looking for racism and fighting and resisting it. You're anti-racist. It's not even a bad thing or social justice. It's not that bad. But it's become associated with um, being rude, you know, or saying your mind. Uh, yeah, I think what's happened is that the, uh, the right has seized that word and use it as a way of putting down the left. Yes. Right. And, Wo- and they're, they're woke. And then usually that's followed by their snowflakes. They're snowflakes. So um, this came up where I said, you know, it bothers me that young people might come to this web board and see you say that when it's, it's really like dismissing social activism, even if someone's annoying. Um, anyway, it doesn't even matter what I said. I, that was weeks ago. Well, they came back on it been very quiet for a long time. They came back on and they had a bee in their bonnet for me. In fact, I had to, I was so paranoid by some of the things they said, they had made some threats. Oh I mean, it wasn't going to be physical because- and This is it a book club? Uh-huh, yep. Oh yeah, oh, it happens, Eugene, it happens. But I got so paranoid because they- I don't had, hang out oh, with the right kind of readers, I obviously. I, I don't know if it's right for me to read it some of the things they said. It's it's not violent or anything, but it was like, yeah, you are well-schooled in Stalinist woke dogma, indoctrinated to the hilt. Now you see, I laugh when I read that. <laughs> well, that's the way to react to it. I, I know, because I just laughed at the whole thing. And then, so like, if you can nix the reading thread by a barrage of your propaganda, it forces me to nix this thread or any other you want. So that was like, oh, what? Well, I, I, thought, we were, I thought we were literally discussing different philosophies and i really didn't mean to take the piss out of them per se i don't think but that person was taking it personally very much so and the error of wokeness which unfortunately will lose us democrats next election so i mean i can see that um and i understand that conservatives feel very disturbed when people speak out about um the real thing is that they feel as if they're being called racist I think that's it. And the thing is, it's not, you do sound a little bit racist when you're against left ideology, but that doesn't mean it's a blanket statement. In the same way, I don't like Ayn Rand. I, she makes my skin crawl. I can't stand her writing or her ideologies or Reaganism even. But, and I would consider that a form of extremism. I might even be able to understand that if you have such, I know some people feel like, um, abolish the police or defund the police's extremism. 
I don't think it is, but I can see why people do, because they believe in the system. They believe in capitalism and they believe in militarizing the police. I don't, but, you know, whatever. I would be willing to have those discussions. Well, I guess we couldn't have these discussions. I'm going to have to avoid this person. I had to reach out to the webmasters and say, because at some point they said, if you do not delete these slanderous posts soon, I will begin posting some interesting details about the woke right here. I was like, okay, well, whatever. And then they said, some, they said, that's you, Candy Minx. I was like, what the hell? So I had to notify them that I felt really disturbed by it because I, I mean, what are they going to do? Say that, like, I mean, they don't know me and I haven't they done can, anything. That- they can make a call and possibly just ban those people from the, the club. Yeah. That's well, why think- you have admins on these things. Well, they do. I, I so I did reach out. And the admins did something. They they deleted the post. And the thing what made me feel good was that I was so guilty feeling about feeling paranoid. I I have a little bit of a paranoid personality anyway. <laughs> and so when I feel paranoid, I always feel kind of guilty about bothering people about it. It almost always turns out that my intuition is dead right because right away they said, "No, they can't threaten you." It. I was glad that the other admins had, had realized it was a threat and it was bizarre, even if, if even if they could or couldn't do something. It was just like, how does it go that way? So in terms of the Crimson Tide, I think we're seeing, it's weird. It's almost like I saw it as prophetic to um, a generational divide that we don't have any kind of way to smoothly move between difficult topics and difficult changes in, in approaches to problem solving it's just kind of weird um i can't see you on camera right now i just want to say that i need oh, your sorry research. i'm feeling paranoid uh, uh, I because i was just kind of leaning oh, over to the contact. <laughs> no i just i need to see your face yeah i think it. that that one you of the I things mean? that's that's happening um and we see it very obviously in american politics more so than maybe some other countries but you see there's not much more middle um, there's there's a lot of, there's a lot on the left there's a lot on the far right and and never the twain shall meet and they everybody just insults one another. No and and you know what it's, it's a bad place. It's a bad place and I, and hey I've I've been I've been angry if I get you know spoken to like uh, uh, um, if so, if I think someone's really far right or fascist or something like that. And you know on on social media. Yes. If you go down that rabbit hole and you start to engage on an issue like that on yeah. say Twitter, mm-hmm. um, you'll get, I, I've, I, I normally, I normally don't jump, jump onto those things, yeah, but every yeah. now and then I have made a comment and I've received like two or three solid days of mm-hmm. dozens mm-hmm. of threatening, insulting, mm-hmm. ugly comments mm-hmm. from, from people using fake names, mostly, um, right. being very threatening, extremely threatening, being very vile and ugly. And um, I understand that that women on Twitter uh, get it 10 times worse than, than men do. I and can I, vouch for that. And I know female politicians, no wonder we don't have many women want to go into oh, politics. Right. Uh, they, they get attacked because they're women so in such an ugly and aggressive manner, yeah. Uh, you know, I I've seen documented some some things that that have been 
have been sent in social media to some of our politicians, which just, it's hard to believe that anyone here in, in peaceful Canada would be saying that about <laughs> right. one another. Right. Well, you know, what's funny that you should say that. I, I appreciate it because I'm not the first person to kind of try to say, maybe this looks, this could be perceived as not a positive vibe to, to talk about. Uh, first of all, I think you should say something like social activism. I, I don't even know why people are throwing around the word woke. It's, I, I don't feel qualified to. They use it about, as an I insult, as specifically know, as an insult. Totally. And I mean, I don't even think I'm, I'm that woke. That's why I was laughing. Like, I'm not, I don't even like politics, but I do like human rights and I do like philosophy and social justice. I don't think that has anything to do with politics. And you're also not afraid to speak up about, right. about ideas and things that you, you know right. about. Well, I, I have to add that. So about a year ago, some other guys on the forum, two or three of them on this web board had gone up against this person about the woke comments and all of that. And they went on and on and on. And this person didn't do this to them. So it's just funny that the guys, they just let it go and they bantered. But I, before I read this part, I'm not even telling you the name calling. I laughed at the name calling because I did laugh. But the admin contacted me. And they oh, said come on, share the name calling. Um, oh, I think it was that I was mentally ill, that I was a multiple personalities. <laughs> and the thing is, I went, oh, I'm totally crazy, dude. Like, I was like kind of joking back with them. <laughs> I understand what you're saying. You're right. And I, I can't remember the other thing. It was something to do with being, oh, hysterical. And I was like, who calls a woman hysterical in this in this era, right? But I was in laughing. In the 18th century. Exactly. And I was like saying, oh, I am totally, I'm the life of the party with my family and my friends. I am hysterical. Oh, do you mean mentally ill? Oh, I'm probably mentally ill too. Like I just, the admin said, Candy, you did a really good job of swinging with it. Like you didn't get all hurt feelings. I didn't have hurt feelings because I was laughing. I was like, oh, but <laughs> it's just like, it's so inappropriate, you know, that didn't bother me. It was the part about like, I'm going to reveal things about the woke. I was like, I don't even know what that means, but I'm frightened. And I think it's that whole thing with Gene Hackman and Denzel Washington. How do you cross these intersectionalities, these different ways of approaching social issues? You know, the thing is, if you got down to it, everybody wants the best for their family and friends. That is almost, I'm, I'm sure that actually is universal. I don't know if it's almost, it's totally universal. You could go anywhere in the world and everyone Everyone to any economy, any lifestyle, they want the best for their friends and family. And that is a basic human thing like enjoying flowers. Beauty is universal, flowers. Everyone loves flowers. Every culture, every um, economic status, everyone loves flowers. Every country, every, like if you're First Nations, if you're, um, if you're the monarchy at the Windsor Palace, people love flowers. Um, that is a definition of beauty that we can all agree on. Um, we all agree we want the best for our family and friends. So that should be where we start. It's not that we're trying to ruin anybody's life. I, I might even guess that maybe even that bitch Ayn Rand might have wanted the best for everybody too. <laughs> I had a different word for her. No, I mean, she's creepy. But listen, maybe she thought she was going to save the world. I feel like she was trying to create status battles, but I could be wrong. 
Um, but even you ask her, she probably wanted the best for her boyfriends and lovers and friends and family and neighbors. You know, I mean, she's she would call herself a patriot that she would want the best for Americans. So I think, why are, how do we find a way to deal with this? When it's not happening on social media, it's the opposite. How do we have that? Town hall meetings? I don't know. Well, that killed the conversation. <laughs> have you noticed that? Have you, have you noticed that, <laughs> that uh, um, fairly far right conservatives? No, I'm not going there. Just forget. Okay, just, no, just, no, no, just no, forget. I'm, yeah, I'm you're not, right because I think that there. we could probably find somebody wacky on the left, and yes. I mean, I'm yes. I'm here. I can represent the left um, <laughs> fully, and even though I don't even feel political, most people would say. No, I was great. just going to say that that when 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 I've been talking to people who ideologically are way off to to the right of me, right. I notice that because they think I'm stupid, they enunciate better. Oh, they enunciate very carefully. So maybe I can <laughs> understand the way they speak oh. and not have such stupid ideas. I know, please. Now you know how it feels to be a woman. People do that all the time to us. All I guess that's like mansplaining, right? It is, well, it is. It's also <laughs> just like, oh, you. I also, the thing, if I have another person say, I just want to get through to you. Well, just because I disagree with you doesn't mean you, first of all, what, you can't change other people. I can't change somebody who's, you know, I would call even some of my compadres and my comrades, sure, there's going to be extremism there. I don't like extremism. And I would say on the right, that's extremism, you know, so you want to try and meet in the middle. And that's exactly what they said at the end of freaking Crimson Tide was that everybody was wrong in that movie. And you guys should have found a way to work things out. Do you remember, I don't know if it's Malcolm Gladwell or Dan Levitt from, from Super Free Economics, but they had a little essay in one of those books, like the one with 10,000 hours, out, out, Outliers. Or, I don't remember which book it was. but They he, all kind of like... Uh, melt together after a while i guess it's just because we we read so much because we yes, fancy. That's it. but um, <laughs> but he had a, a an essay or one of them did that um you know plane crashes had gone down in the united states and around places but they had gone up in korea and i hope i've got the country right um and why well in the united states someone's going to tell the other person fuck off we're all going to die change your programming there's something wrong with the plane Whereas with the compliance in terms of the military attitude of the, um, the Korean uh, pilots had not broken through that. They had a very intense manners, custom-based protocol and they respected that protocol. And so plane crashes were happening because people weren't listening to the co-pilot or the each other. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that plays on to um, this idea is that we're crashing here, we're collapsing, and we need to maybe not be correct, but try to find a happy medium. I don't think happy medium. I don't feel that. No, no, I don't feel that. That was wrong. I think we need to find a way to talk. Yeah, well, you think you're right about that. I do think I'm right about that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, feel like we, I, I feel like I don't want to say happy medium because that's so dismissive. That could be an I, advertisement for like a a spiritualist the happy okay. medium oh happy medium sort of like it. sort of like so the happy cute. hooker but the happy medium i love it that's so cute um yeah so i don't know there's got to be just or whatever just i don't know Ugh. i don't want to tell everybody to be polite because that's kind of dismissive too no, well, sometimes yeah. you have to be frustrated with things 
What else? So, well, I don't know. I don't, I don't know which other uh, Gene Hackman movies to go after next. Okay. I, I know. Well, have you ever seen No Way Out? No. That's my recommendation if you yeah, can find no, it. It's worth right. buying. It's worth buying. It's one of my very, very favorite movies, No Way Out. All right. I'll see if I can find it. All right. And you know who's in that? Gene Hackman. <laughs> Goes without saying. Yeah. What's another good Gene Hackman movie? I've, I, did, is there any movies where he doesn't have a mustache? I think he doesn't have one in No Way Out. <laughs> did, he have, did he have one in French Connection? Uh, yeah, I think he did. But did he have one in this Crimson Tide, which I just watched? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm oh, sure he did. Yeah, I don't sure remember. Well, he may have one of those um, thin lips like Alex Trebek had. And oh, Alex you know, I think in Crimson Tide, he was just kind of like, he looked like he needed a shave. Well, that's because he was locked in his room for a couple of days. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> he couldn't get to the water source. So I've tried not to blow the plot of Crimson Tide. But I've said things about it, but I don't think we've blown the plot. I think uh, we we skirted around blowing the plot on yeah, that one. Yeah, but, but we haven't quite ruined that exciting. one yet. But it's old enough that it's fair game. Yeah, I just really feel like it's just such a great um, film, and it, it it really held up for me uh, in lots of ways. I I just was kind of captivated by the every second there was some shit happening. <laughs> well, I I think part of it is that you put it on a submarine when, well. Yeah. Any bad thing can like kill everybody. Life. Could be life, right? And yeah. and then it has such built-in sets because you go from you know one enclosed room to another enclosed yeah. room to an enclosed yeah. hallway yeah. to everything is very claustrophobic in a in a submarine mm -hmm. movie, well, which I is perfect for filmmaking. And that's why I probably like space movies because so much of them are in the spaceship. That's also sure. this microcosm. Sure, you know? space movie, yeah. submarine movie. I mean, just different it's place, but the same similar. thing, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And you leave that, you could die. You leave that environment, that's it. You can't leave it, you're trapped. Yeah. Yeah, you, you can't just walk out of a submarine. <laughs> no. You know, no. they could stop in the middle of the ocean and, and you know. Hey, you can't even open up any kind of hatch. Well, can you get out of it ever? Is there any kind well, of... Well, yeah, you can get out there. You can get out through the top once. Uh, don't you remember in the hunt for Red October, they go out the top? Yeah, but aren't they on the surface? Oh, yeah, when they get to the surface. If oh, you're yeah, underwater, you're done. You can't get out underwater. <laughs> I didn't so think so. what do you so. think? You're 800 feet below... Oh, right, but what if... Uh, well, that... It's not just the open drowning part that would kill you it's also the pressure will kill you first the yeah, yeah 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 so i was thinking but if you were up could no there's no way around it you're right you're done if you're in a submarine that's it that's unless it. you have another so if you're, I mean, if you're in a submarine and everybody's speaking everybody is speaking russian and yeah. all of a sudden they're all <laughs> speaking english and the captain's got a scottish accent yeah you're in you know you're in movie submarine land that's right well i think when remember um when there was a submarine and it was kind of controversial they didn't no one helped them i think there is something that can go down to a submarine hook on the top of that periscope hole whatever that is then you know the hatch on the top oh. i think you can put something over there and vacuum it and it can have a pressure and then protection transfer. yeah a transfer is that what you're saying yeah, and then yeah, you, have and you to can have, go in there, then go up, and they could slowly help you. Have to have you like go. a decompression chamber or something. Decompression chamber. That's right. Have you ever seen The Abyss? No. Oh, another one of my ultimate favorite movies. 
It is about two hours long, though. Two-ish. Two-ish is okay. Three is getting long. It's not three. It's not three. The director's cut might be three, but the first original one. That's you know, I was going to go see Batman, but uh, (laughs) but it was three hours and three hours of a superhero movie. I just can't handle. I gotta go. I gotta go. I have to see it. What else? Um, we never saw Drive My Car and it got Best Born Film. And mm. I remember I texted you ages ago, like, we have to watch this movie. I tried to watch it last week and it came up and it wasn't translated. I couldn't figure out oh. how to watch it. Yeah. So apparently it's wonderful. I really, yeah. really want to watch it. I guess that'll be on our future list. Yeah. I'm going to be a risk taker this week. Sheila and I both. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I'll tell you, going back, oh, two years, Sheila bought us tickets to see huh? Nick Cave. Oh, my God. I'm so excited. And it was canceled because of the pandemic. And I think it was canceled twice. And it was going to be at the, the hockey rink. The What do they call it? The Skosh. The Skosh. The Skosh, uh, the Skosh yeah. Now? I think it's they call Sky it the Skosh. The, the Scotiabank Center. They call it the Skosh. If you're a oh. hip sports guy you call it the Scotch. Uh, that's us so it was going to be at the Scotch, and now he he's is coming and it's coming he's coming on thursday but now we have the same tickets have been translated to the new massey hall so instead of instead of being in the rafters at a at a <laughs> hockey rink we're going to be in the rafters at the new massey hall which will be much better that's amazing are you the only ones that kept asking to have your ticket replaced well i don't i don't know it's just sort of been happening in the background every now and then every few months i hear something about it from sheila who had bought the tickets initially but you know uh, we're still masking everywhere and we're going to mask on thursday but i'm sure we're going to be in a massy hall full of mostly unmasked people and it's going to be the most covid risk that we've really faced in the last two years but it also we're weighing that against how many chances are we going to see get to see Nick Cave, yeah. who's an extraordinary performer, and I would really like to see him once. Well, it's very possible he's got a contract where everybody has to wear a mask. That's possible. I don't. I can't say that will happen. Um, I believe that masks are encouraged, is what they're saying. Yeah. And you know what? I think lots of people are going to wear a mask. You've got to wear an N95. That's all I recommend. Okay, not just a mask. Make sure it's N95. Yeah. Well, we don't have N95s. Okay, I think they are providing them now. I think you can find some at the hardware store. You have to, because Omicron needs that. Okay. Mm -hmm. So so next week I'll be talking about uh, Nick Cave, man. I'm so happy. And you know, when we we watched that Nick Cave movie early on in the podcast, kind of fun. And you know, I... I haven't been out to see live music really just before the pandemic. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it was in March of the year of the pandemic started. I don't even know what year the pandemic started. It's been on so long. 2020, March 15th. Uh, uh, Ted and I drove to Guelph to see April Virch and Joe Newberry. Joe Newberry, who was a guest on our podcast. We saw it in Guelph. And you know that the uh, pandemic was just cooking up to the point where you know the performers were touching elbows instead of shaking hands with people that they knew Mm -hmm. and i hadn't seen any live 
music at a venue, you know, aside from homemade, homegrown music. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen any live music since then. So I'm really excited about this. And I'm excited particularly because I think that Nick Cave at this stage in his career is doing some really remarkable, creative, mm. if not exactly joyous work. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's pretty, yeah. um, it's... He's always been the it's murder dark. ballads. It's very dark. He's always been the murder ballads, you know? Yeah. He's always been dark, and that's why we love him. So I'm pretty excited about that, and I'll, I will report it next week. And you've seen The Proposition, right? That's an old film, 2005 or something? Yes. Mm-hmm. Good. <laughs> excellent. Excellent, excellent. Well, that's fantastic. A lot of people I I know around Chicago and different places are going to see Nick Cave because he's got that tour on the road now. Yep. So how fantastic. Um, Yeah, and I hope he's doing well. I mean, he's had a big tragedy in his life. Yes. um, Yes. In in, in the last few years, he lost one of his sons in a tragic accident. And and I I know that that's really affected him as a a musician, as a creative Mm -hmm. practitioner. Mm -hmm. Um, so it'd be very interesting to see uh, what his show is is really like this time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I th- I think it'll be good because they they said they made that pledge to not let this bring them down. You know, they said when that happened they were gonna not let, and they didn't want to do it to their other son. Yeah, it's difficult. I, his, How challenging is? Can you just imagine? I I can't. I, oh, I, I can't even. I don't even want to say it. It makes me sick. But um, his wife is an incredible clothing designer, and her, she often has pictures of her, their surviving son, and their son and his his partner, are models, and um, you know she's working away too. So I think they've really embraced life and and tried to move forward. I think they're very inspiring in that way. Good. Well, well, we'll hear about it next week. Um, please send us your emails. Um, yes. And you can send us emails about anything, about <laughs> stuff that we've talked about, stuff you yep. want us to talk about, yep. um, stuff you wish that we wouldn't talk about so much, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I'm on my we have second glass skins. of wine. Bring it on. And yeah, also- I'm on my second glass of wine, Eugene. Oh, excellent. Yeah. And I have a whole other body called Beauty to Chaos. Beauty and Chaos. Oh yeah, is that the title of this uh, this podcast? Yeah, it should be. I think so. <laughs> okay. All right. And we'll okay, be I back love at you. Okay, I love our listeners. Thank you for listening. Back at we you next you. week. Over back and out. Peace. Bye. Peace.